You're listening to the Creative Outsiders Podcast, where we show women that it's possible to live their filmmaking dreams through empowerment and professional development. We feature guests who provide resources, tips, and life experiences to help you grow as a filmmaker. And I'm your host, Siobhan. Now let's get into it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 18 of the Creative Outsiders Podcast. And my guest today is Lori Butt. Um, I always like to tell people before we get started why I chose the person that I'm interviewing, and then I like to give you their super professional bio. But I met Lori at an event I went to actually in the area, and we just connected, uh, kept in touch via Facebook, and she just always seems to post the right thing at the right time. Like, have you ever (laughs) followed somebody like that? It's like, okay, I needed that today. And then the more that I followed her, I saw that she was a lawyer, and I was like, oh, wait, she would be great for today's show. And before I do my intro of her professional bio, I do have to say all information on this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. You're listening to the, this podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship with Lori Butt or Eric O. Moody and Associates. If you have any specific questions, please consult with an attorney authorized to practice law in your jurisdiction. So since we got all this technical stuff out the way, let me tell you a little bit about Lori. She joined Eric O. Moody and Associates in September 2012. Ms. Butts is a native of the city of Chesapeake, Virginia. She earned her bachelor's arts degree, magnum cum laude, and associate sociology from Fayetteville State University and later received her degree from North Carolina Central University School of Law in 2000. She was admitted to the Virginia State Bar in 2001. Ms. Butt is an active member and good standing in the Virginia State Bar. Lori's most notable achievement is being the happy mother of two daughters. When she's not busy fighting for her clients in and out of court, Lori makes time for singing, writing, musical theater, sports, and mentoring girls and young women. Hi, Lori. Welcome. Well, hello there, Siobhan. Thank you for having me. I tell you, I'm listening to some of the things that you're saying about me, and I'm like, okay, who was that? (laughs) (laughs) I'm having a surreal moment here. (laughs) <laughs> that's so funny, but that's why I told my previous uh, guest I had um, the other day, I told them that's why I do it because a lot of times we just don't sit back and, like, just celebrate ourselves. So I try to do that so people can remember, like, you know, you did that. <laughs> you are correct in, in that. <laughs> you know, a lot of times I think particularly as women, uh, whether professional or non-professional, paraprofessional, whatever you want to call it, we don't tend to sit back and, and celebrate ourselves because we're so busy making sure that we do that for other people. <laughs> you are absolutely correct. So I'm glad that you had a chance to listen to, your, listen to all your accomplishments and cheer yourself on a little bit. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. So since we had your professional bio and, you know, you, it was like a snapshot of what you have accomplished so far in life, I like to ask people to tell our listeners who they are. How did you mm-hmm. end up in this um, platform of being a lawyer? Okay. Well, I'll, 
I like to refer to myself as the girl next door um, who actually believed in her dreams. That's, that's the one thing I think that's, that's not the usual girl next door kind of concept. But for me, since I was maybe seven or eight years old, I've always been fascinated by the aspect of fighting for someone's rights, particularly um, as a result of learning about the civil rights movement and the civil rights era. And so for me, um, not having any family members who, you know, practiced law, had some experiences with the law as far as civil rights and, you know, being uh, treated unfairly and things like that, but I didn't have any trailblazers to follow my family. Um, my parents were just hardworking people, and I was a first-generation college graduate. And so for me, um, it was just something that uh, I believe I was born to do. Um, I just didn't realize it until I was a tender age of seven or eight years old. And so because of that, my parents just pushed me to excel. Um, they supported me every step of the way. Um, they, um, you know, didn't have the inside knowledge because they didn't, they didn't go to college, they didn't do those things, but they made sure that I had what I needed so that I could accomplish that goal since childhood. And I must, I must, uh, you know, give much honor to my parents because um, they gave me the adequate foundation to do what I'm doing today. And as a matter of fact, speaking to you, Siobhan, is as if you're speaking with my parents one of which who's in heaven and the other who's here, because they put their imprint on me to do what I'm doing and to do it in the manner that I'm doing, which is very passionately but also very um, intentional about what I do and very uh, caring about what I do. So that's kind of how I began the process of you know, being a legal professional. Um, I didn't take the traditional path. I went to college and and then I worked for three or four years before I went to law school. I needed to have the big picture. That's how I learned better. And so I got the big picture under my mentor, Mr. Moody. And then I went on to law school, and um, I'm continuing to live out my dream every single day. And I, I just think it's just a, a wonderful thing, and I'm very honored to be able to say that. And I think that's uh, very interesting that you said that um, your parents basically – supported you and they encouraged you. And I think that is one of the things that I want to reinforce for our listeners and our women, like even though it's a different spectrum because you are mm-hmm. a lawyer and mm-hmm. most of our women listening are filmmakers, it's just a point that I want to be able to reinforce that it is possible. And I yes, think it that's is. awesome that you were equipped and push at an early age to believe in your dreams. So absolutely, I think that's pretty amazing. And, and you know, Siobhan, I, I agree with you. Whatever whatever passion that you have, um, it's important that you feed it. <laughs> if not mm-hmm. every day, at least you know every week something. I mean, you have you have to be intentional about it because otherwise it'll just be something that's lying dormant, and you're not doing taking little baby steps to accomplish know, that thing that's burning inside of you. And so uh, that's, that's really why I wanted to kind of join your podcast and just share some things because what I love to do um, may not be what others love to do, but we can, love, we can all love what it is that we love and do it very well. Exactly. So I know a lot of people um, 
get intimidated when they think about talking to a lawyer, whether it's <laughs> if, you're, if you're on the good side <laughs> on not, the good, not so good side. True. That's uh, very true. <laughs> so I'm trying to help our creatives, our filmmakers, just not be so intimidated by the fact of speaking to a lawyer. So okay. when I started to look at just some of the areas that a lot of our women struggle with or have questions with, uh, the first thing that came up was how do you determine if your lawyer is a good fit for you? Because a lot of our women will be u- utilizing it for if they are forming um, LLCs or things mm-hmm. of that nature. So mm-hmm. how do I determine if my lawyer is a good fit for me? Well, I think the first thing that you want to do is, you know, you're talking about the Creative Outsiders podcast. So first of all, you have something that's uniquely yours. So you want to protect that at every stage, beginning with, who do I choose as my legal counsel, Mm -hmm. (laughs) my legal practitioner? So you have this, you know, this little infant baby that you, you know, is very fragile. You're very tenderhearted towards it, your creative ideas, your, your product. And so you want to make sure that you don't divulge or expose your your infant, your creative genius to just any lawyer because, you know, we're all licensed to practice in Virginia, but we may not all be well-suited for what you need. It might be my personality is different than yours and we don't mesh well. It could be, hey, I'm a litigator, which is true about myself, but I also have other aspects of my practice that involve contracts. Um, mm-hmm. you know, working out policies and different things, um, learning how to deal with tax consequences, all kinds of different things, not just the one-sided view of going to court all the time because that's the part that intimidates most people. So I would say, first of all, ask around. Most of the time, you will have someone that you trust that you know that um, has either utilized a lawyer or has a family lawyer, if you will, um, and can make a good reference. I like to start there. That's how I pick professionals. Uh, I make mm-hmm. sure that I find out from my inner circle, hey, have you used this counselor? Have you used this tech person? Have you used this massage therapist? That's what I do. I go by references first. And if I don't have any personal references from friends or family, then I do my research. I first of all look at, you know, any kind of um, professional organizations for lawyers that would be the Virginia State Bar. You know, you want to check out, has this lawyer, you know, ever been disciplined? You know, does this lawyer have any complaints that were founded? Or whatever it is, you want to do your homework on that first, and then you want to look at, okay, where are they? Are they, are they close by? Is it something that I will have to really plan a day to travel to, to visit, or can I access the person online? All those kinds of things. And then you want to look at, well, I have these particular needs, and can they meet them? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, it's very important that, that you, you, know, you, you do the background work and even choosing a lawyer because you're going to be paying that lawyer money. <laughs> you exactly. want to make sure that you get the value that you bargained for. And I say that very um, seriously because, you know, with doctors or CPAs or whatever it is, we normally don't question anything about, you know, this is the fee, I'm going to pay it, boom. But you are entitled to get what you bargained for. So for lawyers, make sure, you know, you're getting the answers that you need. And if it's more than just answers, if you need actually a legal product, some kind of contract or um, some kind of other help, 
make sure that you're getting that. And if you don't understand along the way, make sure that you ask the questions because this person uh, wants to win your business not just for the moment but for a relationship, a professional relationship over time. At least I would. So um, you want to make sure that you have a good fit, a good feeling, a good uh, knack for this lawyer and what this lawyer presents to you as what you can you could definitely utilize in a very meaningful way and um, a cost-effective way. I'm going to say that because most people are intimidated, number one, because they think they can afford a lawyer. You won't yes. know until you seek out the information. Okay? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, personally no, don't quote, I personally don't quote fees like just blankly, like, okay, this is, this is, no, I don't do that. I need to meet with you first. I need to consult with you because each person is different. Each need is different. Although it may be, you know, a host of filmmakers or whatever, you all have different needs that you present with. And can I tailor what I have, uh, what I have to do to what you need? That's what. That's how I determine what my fees are. I don't. I don't. I look at, you know, where you are in the process. Are you just starting out, or do you have a lot of films that you? produced and, you know, premiere. I look at all of those things when I make a decision. So it's, it's tailored to the individual that's in front of me, not well, my fees are just a flat blah, blah, blah. I don't think that's effective. Okay. And so, so that's good. So. Because, no, that's really good that you pointed that out because that is a, the next thing. Like, okay, people are like, all right, I can't afford it, but they don't even ask because it's that whole intimidation factor. Like, right. I don't think it's too much. So I'm glad uh-huh. that you... Mm-hmm. pointed that out, but even to go a step further, so you um, did speak on something very good where um, your business is your baby, so, you know, you want to protect it. <laughs> right. So for um, those women who are starting production companies or even just having a blog that is supportive of filmmakers, mm-hmm. they need to establish um, their business. So. Right. Is it important, um, you say it is necessary that our business needs to be a business entity, or should we just wing it and be out here soliciting our business and we're not official? No, because uh, you want people to take you seriously. Um, Yes, you're a creative genius. Um, And, you know, sometimes people have this notion of people who are creative, who are artists, as if they don't have any intellect, they don't, they're not organized, they're kind of esoteric in their approach. So you want to take care of your affairs. You want to figure out, okay, I, you know, I have this baby that I'm protecting all of my creativity and all of my energy, but you also need to put it, you need to encapsulate it into some kind of entity, okay? And so you, you definitely don't want to be out there winging it as a freelance, what we call in the law, a sole proprietor because mm-hmm. you're completely exposed to any kind of liability. Let's just say you're, you're producing, a, you know, a short story on some subject. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you solicit, you have a casting call, you do all those things, and someone gets hurt while they're in the midst of your production. I mean, do you have liability insurance? If mm-hmm. you're operating as a freelance, so to speak, sole proprietor, you have no, no protection for your personal assets. And by that, I mean your house your car, your money in your bank account, um, mm-hmm. if you have some kind of, you know, expensive jewelry. Whatever it is that you own that is of value will be exposed to um, liability if, if you don't protect yourself. And so then mm-hmm. 
You don't want to you don't want to just be out there trying to make money and getting yourself noticed. You need to take care of your business persona. You know, we you know, we as women we have many layers to ourselves. And so your business persona needs to be I'm organized, I'm protected, my assets are protected, my family won't have to suffer if you know I face a lawsuit or whatever the case may be because I formed the correct entity for what I need. So now that leads me into the next piece. The sole proprietor, you don't really want to do that if you have no protection. Uh, but it's easy because you don't have any formal things to do. You just you know, do your thing, pay your taxes, get your mm-hmm. business license. So you can also consider an LLC, which is a limited liability company. So that, that phrase kind of tells itself. You have limited liability because you can run the company as the owner and the manager and still have the protection from liability as far as your personal assets being touched if you were you know, to be sued or something mm-hmm. like that should happen. And then the, the corporation, the, the, the corporate status, that's the, you have the most protection as a corporate entity, and there are two subsets, an S corp and a C corp, and you know, we can get into that in another conversation. But basically the C corp is, is very formal. So you have the most protection, but because of the, mo- the that high level of protection, there are very formal uh, requirements that you have to engage in, um, such as you have to have certain types of meetings, uh, you know, regularly to decide how you're going to conduct your business, what format, how many people need to be present to vote, or if you're a one-person uh, corp, you know, how you're how you're organized, and so you want to, and you have to, you know, make filings separately um, in the name of the entity. And then your personal, you know, finances and taxes are, are filed separate and apart from that. So, you know, you want to encapsulate your vision in some kind of business organization, legal mm-hmm. organization. And so that's the first step. That's, that you have to protect your personal life, your personal assets, your, your sense of, you know, legacy, your being. So you want to take care of that before you start disseminating anything about, you know, your creative baby, <laughs> that we're kind of coining this phrase here today. Yeah. So that's very important that you do that. And then, other, you know, you want to be aware of perception. You're talking about women filmmakers. So, you know, we want to, you know, shatter stereotypes in whatever profession that we're in. So you, in order to knock against those kinds of stereotypes that people may have, uh, people like investors or people like um, – uh, educational, you know, professors or entities like that, where you may want to present your work in that in that particular venue, you want to present yourself in a way so so that you will per- be perceived and recognized as someone who's well has a well thought out plan, not just for the creative baby, but for mm-hmm. how you actually conduct your business when you're not, you know, having those creative um, geniuses flowing throughout. So that's very important because perception means a lot, particularly if you're looking at getting capital investments or garnering attention at a film festival or whatever the platform is or trying to get on Netflix. You want to be organized because um, you'll you'll be scrambling to get things done, stressed out, pulling your hair out because you're not organized. And you can avoid all of that if you take time to be methodical about what you want to do, how you want to do it, and how you can protect yourself and your family from any kind of litigation or exposure that could be negative to you. Yeah. And with you saying all that, I do know that, okay, let's say that 
we did do it the right way, and we decided mm-hmm. to form an LLC. But mm-hmm. I know that people then try to, because um, usually filmmakers are we're juggling, or even creatives, we're juggling a nine-to-five and then our baby okay. until our baby okay. uh-huh. is all the way together. So mm-hmm. they try to cut corners, and I know uh, the biggest thing is contracts. Like we have contracts mm. between each other. So I know that a lot of people get contracts off a website, um, <laughs> off of LegalZoom. How do you feel right. about those things? Are they going to hold up? Well, they, they, they will hold up. And the thing that places like Rocket Dog, I think Rocket Lawyer, I think it is, LegalZoom, you know, they're user-friendly, and they're kind of grassroots when it comes to getting legal products. And so, I mean, I will never tell anyone, you can't proceed, as we call it in the law, pro se. It's just a fancy Latin phrase where you can do it yourself. Uh, you can always empower yourself by doing it that way, but it's going to take you longer. I'm just going to be plain about it. It's going to take you longer because, number one, you're not a lawyer. Number two, you don't know what the laws require. Number three, you um, have to make sure that the contract um, comports with the law, and the law is very fluid. It changes. You know, there could be a case that comes out that's published that changes exactly everything that you're doing, and you need to be aware of it. And so that's where having, you know, a physical, actual human lawyer <laughs> helping mm-hmm. you in that process differs from, you know, just getting a form off of a website because you can do that. But, you know, if you want to tweak it, which you most likely will need to, again, you're going to – you may be exposing yourself to some kind of liability because you tweak it in a way that does not comport with the law. So, yes, you can use those kinds of what we call boilerplate forms and contracts. Just be very careful in how you use them. And if they need to be changed, there's no, there's no harm in having a lawyer to look over it you know, and if you need it to be tweaked, have a lawyer tweak it for you. Most likely, lawyers aren't going to use a preprinted form. If you do take it to a lawyer to just review it, we'll review it for you and tell you, hey, you need to know this, this, this about this contract. We'll understand that this is not included, and so you may need to do another contract that includes this part. Most lawyers are going to formulate their own contract that's tailor-made for you. And so you have that added security in going to a lawyer consulting with a lawyer that they are, they're up on the law, number one. Number two, I have a product that I can take confidence in because the lawyer has sanctioned it. And so um, you can always utilize whatever you feel is best for you, and I think that gives you a sense of empowerment because you may not have the funds to hire a lawyer. Um, mm-hmm. So you can use those things. Just be very aware of, like, tweaking them and changing them because you don't want to run afoul of the law. And you definitely don't want to have your, your creative baby, you know, exposed to either being, you know, infringed upon or downright being stolen. And you don't get the credit, you don't get the royalties, you don't get anything from it. So you have to be very careful with, with those kinds of websites. So since you brought up you don't want your project to be stolen, mm-hmm. uh, because it is just so, I don't know if we're naive as filmmakers and creatives because, you know, we're so excited about our work and mm-hmm. we want to share it with people. Sure. What do we do if someone steals our digital content? Like say I put up work or even I emailed it to someone for them to read and then I look and they basically 
taking my work. <laughs> but we have no contract. I'm just right. really passing it. So do you suggest us not to do that? Absolutely. This is the thing. You don't want to disseminate your, you know, you have this tender, vulnerable, fragile, creative infant. You don't want to expose it to the elements, so to speak. You know, you would never leave a newborn baby in your right mind out in the freezing cold weather. You know, you're going to wrap that baby up. You're going to keep that baby inside where it's nice and warm. You're going to give it food, water, and everything else. You're going to clean the baby. You're going to, you know, be kind and caring to the baby. So you want to do that same thing. It's funny that we're talking about that because you want to approach your your work product, your you know, your services or whatever it is that you're offering, you want to be very careful with it because this, this is something that has come through your pores. I mean, blood, sweat, and tears. Mm-hmm. So if you want to just get feedback from someone, you know, even if it's someone that you trust, don't, don't email your work like that. What you want to do is make sure first it's copywritten, that it's protected under the law, Number two, you want to just send like a summary of ideas. Um, you do not want to email the work out to anyone for their opinion because you're, you're going to be exposed. And we know of a lot of major uh, celebrities that are always facing lawsuits from people who say, I've submitted something to this okay. big name person and they stole it and they made a lot of money on those movies. And I, you know, I want to get paid. And it may not go anywhere. It may go somewhere. But guess what? You still have to litigate it. You have to defend it. And mm-hmm. so um, I, I, would, I would caution against sending out emails or, you know, using Dropbox or whatever it is you use for your, for your entire creative infant to be exposed like that. No, don't do that. Just send a summary or, you know, if you want to give, hey, some of the characters are this or that. This is my idea. You send it out in generalities. Um, and then you, you critique it. And then the other thing I want to say, Siobhan, is that, you, you know, if you're a member of, you know, your trade associations, industry um, associations, you'll know, you know, how to disseminate your work so that you can actually get, you know, critics to say, hey, you need to, you know, change this or, you know, you need to do this so that, you know, the big companies will notice it or whatever it is that you're doing. You know, you'll be able to find those that you can trust with still summaries, not full entire works, because right. you want to keep it protected. And Siobhan, I'm, I hope I'm not um, overstepping my boundaries here with with talking about copyrights and licenses and things of that nature. You have to be very vigilant to um, almost like monitor uh, <laughs> uh, your work. So let's just say mm-hmm. you have something that's copywritten. And um, you have a web series. I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm just, you know, a web series. Right. And then next thing you know, you see, you know, someone on YouTube taking, you know, your unique original concept um, and just putting a little twist on it. You have to be vigilant about protecting what what you have legally protected under a copyright. And so mm-hmm. if you'll notice, um, my daughter has this obsession with this Korean pop group BTS or something, whatever the name is. And so they were recently on some big um, awards show. A lot of people were streaming it live from the, directly from their phones or their tablets and stuff. Mm-hmm. Girls, don't you know, within minutes, those YouTube sites were shut down. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, okay, the, um, you know, uh, the lawyers for this conglomerate that put on the award show, they are on their game because mm-hmm. if you don't do that, I mean, that's how people can infringe upon what you protected, and then you have to go to court and fight them and prove that it's yours and how they use it and all these kinds of things. And if you, you can avoid those things if you're very vigilant about the use or um, abuse of something that you have that's rightfully yours and protected. And so you have to be very careful with that. And if you see something like that, you know, you have to act. You can send a cease and desist letter. You can do a lot of different things um, so that you can protect your craft. He just got me over here shaking my head like, get your life together. <laughs> you got to protect your baby, girl. You Lord. have to. You know, a baby is helpless. You know, they depend on caregivers for everything. You know, all they know how to do is breathe, eat, and do the other thing. And they need you to help them with all of that. And so it's very important. You know, I do a little bit of performing and stuff like that, but it's not anything that I'm, you know, trying to protect right now. I do have a lot of songs that I've written that I haven't disseminated into the public yet because I know what not to do. But it's very important that you, if it's that important to you, you must, you must hover around it at all times. Mm-hmm. And be careful about, you know, things like, you know, at, at, you know, at the water fountain at, at the office. Hey, yeah, I was writing this. Mm-hmm. Be careful about all those kinds of things because it seems, you know, harmless. But you, you just have to be very careful, just as you would for an infant. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we are wrapping up some. I hope everybody is taking notes and mm-hmm. get yourself together so we can make sure we go and are productive in the new year. Mm-hmm. Um, I. Well, you kind of brought it up a little bit, but I said I didn't know, and this is sidebar to our mm-hmm. legal talk. Okay. I said, oh, I didn't know that she performed opera and also musical theater. I didn't know that. Yeah. Was- I did a lot of opera in college. I just, I mean, I studied classical piano under my aunt, bless her heart. My aunt is 72 years old, and she's still teaching students classical music. Um, and so that was my basis for when I went to college. I happened to have gone to a, an HBCU, and I was able to audition for various things. And I got scholarships for special talents that I wasn't even majoring in, uh, you know, which is vocal ability. But my classical piano background, my music theory background got me there. And so mm-hmm. I started doing recitals and singing for political dignitaries and educational dignitaries and all kinds of things, um, and I could hold my own with music majors, and I was not a music major. And so um, that's how I got started. And then after I got out of school, um, I mean, I always sang in church with my family and everything like that. Then I started getting into, you know, musical theater, uh, which is similar to opera. It's just a different style. You know, most, mm-hmm. you know mostly it's gospel or R&B kind of music. But it's very similar. You're just talking about classical versus some other kind of some some other genre. And so, you know, I do a little bit. Um, my daughters keep me from performing like I want to because they're very busy themselves. And so, I, I pick and choose, you know, projects and things like that. Um, I'm always writing though, and you know, I'm always, you know, creating music, writing lyrics, and doing things like that. 
but um, I'm not as visible as I once was because, you know, I'm a mom. I'm a working mom, and mm-hmm. my daughters, you know, take precedence. So, <laughs> understandable. You know, it's a juggling act. I, I understand. So I always like to ask people before we wrap up, mm-hmm. what are you watching right now, and what are you reading right now? Okay. Um, this is going to sound crazy. I don't watch much TV. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably because of how I was, was raised, but mostly I look at sports. <laughs> oh, no, that's good. I'm a sports fan. <laughs> I watch, I'm a sports buff. I used to be an athlete and everything like that. So I watch a lot of sports, um, but I do I, – I like crime shows. I mean, I, you know, I do a lot of criminal litigation. <laughs> I, I can't get enough of it, but I only watch a certain – that's, you know, Law & Order, SVU. So that, I love that show. I love that show. I love that show. And, um, and, you know, other than sports, that's what I'm watching. But also as far as reading, I'm reading several books at once. <laughs> If they don't hold my attention, I'm going to go to something else and not get back to it. But I do a lot of reading when I'm sitting in court waiting for cases to be called and things like that. I just pull up, you know, my Kindle on my phone. Um, I'm reading, um, well, I just finished reading a book that I I would highly recommend to anyone. It, It kind of is geared toward relationships. Now, I mean romantic relationships as well as business relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as friendship, personal relationships. It's called Safe People, and it's written by two clinical psychologists, doctors uh, Henry Cloud, and I think the other guy's name is um, Frank Townsend, but doctors Cloud and Townsend. And that book transformed how I view uh, people. I mean, <laughs> it breaks it down to the nth degree so that a child can understand what they're what they're teaching, they give a lot of hypothetical examples of clients that have had different issues and how they presented, how they attacked them, and how the person was able to begin to um, see how they fit into various relationships. And how if they had a negative pattern of attracting certain kinds of people as business partners that took all their money or huh. as, as love partners that broke their heart or friends that ended up, you know, not being their true friends and talking about them or whatever it is, they would actually tell you how they address the issue, and you will not believe how most of it stems from childhood. So anyway. I um, I absolutely have to get better. (laughs) (laughs) I just finished reading that, and um, I'm reading a lot of financial books right now. Um, Dr. Sam Chan has a lot of leadership books that I, yes. I like to read. So I love uh, him. I, yeah, I've, yeah. Heard, I've heard him like maybe it's, I've heard him three years back to back speak. Okay, he's so okay. good. He's awesome, and he's very he's he's hilarious. <laughs> yes, he is. He's very funny. He's very funny and very direct. <laughs> yes, he is. Ooh, oh my gosh, yes, he is. So that's what I, that's a little hot pause of what I'm reading. Um, you know, I don't waste time reading stuff that I can't use in my life. So that's 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 how I do it. I feel you on that. I definitely am. Yeah, I have a lot of books. It's sad. I have so many books sitting in the middle of my floor. I'm going to give away mm. books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's so funny. Before we uh, wrap up, and I tell people, well, you'll let people know how they connect with you. Um, mm-hmm. I have a 
question, just a filmmaker question, because you brought sure. up a, um, a show that you watch, and you're a lawyer. So since mm-hmm. you watch a lot of lawyer shows, we always talk about, uh, and I talk, well learned about it too when I um, went to school for my MFA in screenwriting, and they yeah. just were saying how writers, we don't do a good job of depicting the truth. So people okay. have this false perception sure, of how sure. things operate. So do you think we do it justice as writers when you look at lawyer shows? This is just a little side tidbit. Well, I'm just going to say this, my dear. I feel <laughs> that the reason why I'm so attracted to, uh, I don't watch any other Law and Order um, series. It's just SVU. I can watch marathons for days, even if I've seen a lot of them. I always learn something different that I didn't catch before. And the reason why I say that I don't think you should watch other shows because you're talking about, like, that's like me trying to sing like another singer. I don't want to do that. I respect mm-hmm. them for their craft, but I'm going, to put, I'm going to put myself into the music and interpret the way it comes through my soul. And so I think that for filmmakers, um, screenplay writers, all of those kinds of creative um, things, you, you know, walk alongside a police officer. Walk alongside a lawyer. You know, we, okay. you know, most lawyers I know, you know, I mean, some of them tend to be, you know, kind of conceited or whatever. They would love that attention. But to actually see what it is that they do and then mm-hmm. to have that, that um, expertise in telling you, hey, you know, this is realistic. This is not. This will never happen in life. This, this will. And I, I, I think that's the best way that you can do your research because, you have a factual basis from which to draw from. And, of course, you know, you have dramatic license and things like that. But it's actually factual and it's based in what happens in real life and what's practical. A lot of times I see, you know, popular movies um, Mm -hmm. by certain people and they depict, you know, legal concepts, legal things, lawyers doing whatever they do, and it's completely just fake. I mean, it's not, it's nowhere near what would happen in reality, and I don't like that. I think that the person is popular because it draws people's attention from various other mm-hmm. characters and things, but it's not, it's not accurate, and I feel that that's a negative. And so if you actually can, you know, find someone or do some reading if you're not able to, you know, have the time or, or, or find time outside of the first job to do those kinds of things like uh, ride along or to go to court with someone and tag along to see what, what it is that they do and how they break down cases, then, you know, do some research online. Read some legal journals. You know, mm-hmm. know some trends in the law that might be some hot topic that you can exploit in your films or your documentary or whatever it is. I think that's the best way other than studying, you know, movies on TV because it's not, I don't think that's going to be helpful. Okay. Well, there y'all have it. So let everyone know how they can keep in touch with you, any website, social media, so they can connect with you. <laughs> well, I'm, one, I'm a little bit of a dinosaur because I'm only on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Uh, <laughs> I just don't have the time. I, I, you know, all the things that I'm juggling, that's just one less thing I have to worry about. So I'm on Facebook um, through the firm, of course, and that's Eric Moody and Associates. PC, but also I have my personal Facebook page, and that's Lori, L-O-R-I, middle initial A, 
but B-U-T-T-S, plain and simple. And so, uh, you know, you'll see a lot of inspiration, a lot of family stuff, um, just a lot of positive things on my site. You will never see anything negative. You will never see anything, you know, vulgar or perverted, nothing like that, because that's not what I'm there for. And so um, my uh, firm has a website, and that is eomoodylaw.com. Um, you can learn, you know, about the firm and all of the attorneys there. Also, um, I do have a Twitter account that's inactive that I'll probably revive at some point, and it's, the handle is at Lady Justice Sees, and that's at L-A-D-Y-J-U-S-T-I-C-E-S-E-E-S. And obviously, it's from my criminal litigation background. There's a reason why I chose that handle, because Lady Justice is not blind. So you can reach me in those ways, and you can always use the good old phone and call me at the office. Uh, at 757-399-7683 or 757-424-5050, or you can shoot me an email um, at labucksesq at gmail.com. Well, Lori, thank you so much for <laughs> helping us to get ourselves together. So it's our it's been my pleasure. Yes, our 2018 <laughs> will not be raggedy. Like Not at all. Not at all. You want to progress and do better. Yes. So I appreciate that. And y'all know the drill. Don't just dream about it. Be about it. Go out there and live your filmmaking dreams. And until yes. next time, I will see y'all later.